Welcome to the Business Trendsetter Podcast, where we talk about trends and how to grow your business. My name is Manny Turan. And I'm Adam Hartung. We are Spark Partners. We help companies to scale and grow. We help entrepreneurs to uh, really align their, their vision and their mission with emerging trends. And uh, also, we help them to execute. And that's a bit about the topic today that I want to talk about with you, Adam, is this idea of execution. You know, in business, uh, information is, is golden, right? Information is almost everything. And so when you as a, as a leader, as somebody who makes decisions, are faced with a decision and you don't have all of the available information uh, in a timely manner, it, it hinders your ability to, to move. So I just mentioned to you in our pre-meeting here about some inactivities that's happening with people that have, have committed to do certain things that have not, and it's slowing down the business, slowing down our ability to grow. And so I want to get your take on this, Adam. How have you, in your day, been able to, to manage when people are indecisive and, and, and maybe not even indecisive, but not even giving you the information? You know, sometimes no is better than, than no information. Well, I think we should connect this up with trends. And I can say that um, w there's a trend today that is very different than it was 30 years ago. 30 years ago, we didn't have immediate communications. Um, just calling somebody long distance on the phone had enough cost related to it that we tried to manage long distance costs. Um, so, we, you know, we still sent things by mail back and forth. And the issue was that you t you responded quickly to whatever you got because the transportation lag times could be uh, hours or days uh, trying to get something back and forth. And we were all thrilled when the fax machine came along because I could suddenly move a document very, very quickly. But the issue that we were trained on was when you have faced with a decision, you give feedback to whoever uh, you're working with. And you try to either say yes, no, or this is what I need before I can make a decision. Maybe I need more time. Maybe I need to raise money. Maybe I need to get permission from someone. Maybe I need more information from you. And so that has changed now. Now we've gotten to a point where information is immediate. We can get things instantaneously. I can go online and I can get a quote literally instantaneously for something. Uh, but what happens is, is that people no longer feel the need to respond. So, um, you know, if I had gotten, say I was moving, and if I had asked three people for a quote, I couldn't get it online. I would get somebody calling me back, maybe coming to where I am, looking the job and then estimating the job, and then they'd say, you know, do you want to buy it? And I'd say, well, I'm getting three prices. I'll let you know at the end of the day. Um, now what happens is in, in seconds, I get three estimated prices delivered over the phone. And what happens is most people will only respond to the one that they think they might take advantage of. Or they might say, you know, I was just getting prices. I don't know that I'm going to do this and never respond to anybody. So the people who put out the quotes, they don't get any responses. So what happens then is they say, well, I send out 10 quotes a day. I get a response every three days. So now what happens? You get really sloppy. Right now, you start saying, oh, "Okay, I'll I'll just quote all these jobs, and if somebody comes back and says they're interested, then I'll really pay attention." So I'll quote a job at a thousand dollars. You know, spend three seconds looking at it, or have the computer spin an automated response out. Now, oh, now you're serious. Now you want to do something. Well, now I'll actually take a look at it, and, and now I want to take a week to get back to you with a quote. Well, then the other person on the other side says, "You know what? You were pretty sloppy with the first quote, or this is taking more time." And now they don't respond. And so what happens is you get this lack of response. And I think this is something that's a trend, and we have to think about it in our business. 
when we made these decisions to automate things, which again, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that we have to automate to get people out of the system because demographics are working against us. But what has happening is is that we're getting really, really bad. We're, we're overcommitting. We're saying we'll do things when we don't intend to do things. Or we say we'll do things and then change our minds. And we never tell people we changed our minds. We never get back to people. And it's just becoming the norm. And I think this is a very sloppy business. And there's, you know, it's, it's bad. It's not a whole lot that we can do about it. I, I can give you an experience. I had a, like a, my Macintosh computer had a, a problem. And I went to, a, to, to get it diagnosed, I went online, and there's a diagnostic. And the response from Apple was, okay, your computer is under warranty. This is an automated interaction I'm having online. And this is your computer. We've identified it. it we can identify that it's under warranty. We've identified that it has an error. And you need to go to a store. Now, select one of these stores, and it popped up with the stores around me and the times that were available, to select a, a time to go to a Genius Bar. All of this is automated, right? So I go through it and automate it. I get in my car. I drive an hour. I get to the store. Um, they take a review, and they come back to me and said, okay, you're going to need a new part, and uh, we don't have it in store. <clears throat> so we're going to get it delivered. Now, the only way we can do this is we'll have to, another store deliver it to our store, and then we'll let you know when you come pick it up. So a couple days go by, I pick up the phone to call the store in Santa Rosa, and I call, and I can't get to the store. The number goes to an automated service, probably in India. And I said, look, you know, and I have to spend 15 minutes going through mm -hmm. different prompts, because what I want to know is, did my part make it to the store? There's no prompt for that. So it keeps asking me, is it a new purchase? Is it a, a something that's getting worked on? And asking all kinds of questions that aren't even relevant to what I'm looking to do. And so I just keep going through it, going through it, going through it, and I'm getting less and less satisfied. Finally end up, I get a person. I tell the person what I'm trying to do. I actually have the work order number. They then, then get this. I spend 15 minutes sitting on the phone with the person at Apple waiting on somebody at the store to answer the phone at the store. To then come back and finally say, oh, yeah, the part's here. You can come pick the part up. So here's one of the biggest companies on the planet, one of the companies that claims it's got great customer service, and yet it took me an hour just to try to find out if a part was in the store as they promised so that I could pick it up. When, in fact, they were supposed to notify me when the part got there, and they'd never, they'd never done it. So... Again, what I'm trying to get back to is when we're building our, our businesses, we should be thinking about the customer and customer service and responsiveness and not just thinking about process, not just thinking about procedure, because what's happening is an awful lot is getting lost in the process these days. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the way that business is, you know, it kind of leans on the human condition of uh, the sort of old school tenets and philosophies of, you know, do what you say, say what you do, integrity. I mean, all those things are so important still. And I would even argue that they're more important now because the rest of the framework that we operate in in the business is not that. And, you know, there is so much happening so fast that unless you really can hang your head on those old school tenets, you're not going to go very far. Uh, I know of many occasions when, when, op when companies miss the boat on an opportunity because of their indecision, and then ultimately when things went uh, really well and they, they, and they missed the boat, they uh, you know, sort of shut themselves in the foot and they, they blamed everything but themselves, right? There is a company that, I, that I'm aware of, I'm, I'm looking for their, their name here, that has a pretty uh, amazing 
um, offering. And so uh, it's a company that what they do, so let me ask you this, Adam, how important is your time? How, how nice would it have been for you to punt all that information, all that process, those phone calls, to have somebody else do it for you? Would that be worthwhile? Ah, yeah, I think I, you know, I'm constantly looking for ways to gather 15 minutes to get more stuff yep. done in a day. So this company is called Iallo, I-A-L-L-O, and Giselle is a friend of mine, and she basically is redefining the way customer service is being done so that you're able to, to manage all of these things on the front end with a very, very quick, very, very uh, user-friendly interface. And then on the back end, they take care of all the customer service side. They navigate the, you know, dial nine, they navigate this and so that it saves you time. You, sp you pay a small fee and then you're able to, to recapture your day. So this is a great example of a company that's leveraging one of the trends we talk about, which is the asynchronous life, asynchronous communication, because they're really, they're, they're seeing that unmet need and they're really capturing it in that ability to, to be able to, to give you back your time. Of course, time is something that we all um, almost take for granted, but it's one of the most, it's the most important resource that we have. You know, we, constantly talk about growth and we constantly bring up the fact that if you're not growing you're dying and how important it is to generate your revenue growth and that is absolutely true but I have to confess that I see people out there that gets that do get so focused on what they're doing that they lose track of things like how to make money or how to build an effective business model or how to make sure that you have a sustainable business, meaning customers will come back again and again, which gets to customer reliability and customer satisfaction. Um, and I think that people misunderstand our message sometimes. They think that, oh, it's just growth, 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 and don't think about those issues. In fact, I often say, look, you can have growth with no earnings. You can have losses if you can find somebody to fund them. But the point is that that's true as long as you're focused on a business model. You know, Amazon had a business model that could pay off, and Federal Express had a business model that could pay off, and Facebook had a business model that could pay off, Netflix had a business model that could pay off. These companies lost money for a long time, uh, Tesla as well lost money for a long time, but they were not doing it and just saying, I'm growing and I'm losing money and I'm not paying attention to my business. I mean, that's what WeWork did. WeWork was just like growth, but they built an unsustainable business model. You know, their costs were so high they would never recapture it with rents and you know they were uh, looking for a greater fool theory in terms of people to come up behind them. And, and that's not our message. <laughs> our message is that, yes, you should develop what the business model is and how you'll make money. And then if you can grow it really, really fast, go ahead and do it and maybe grow it and, and take losses. You know, if somebody is willing to fund you and, and you, you think, well, I need $100,000 and they say, well, I'll give you $500,000 if you'll grow faster. I think it's worth paying attention to that, right? And worth yeah. saying, okay, I'll take that extra money. But don't lose sight of your business model. Don't lose sight of how it is that you can explain that this is going to make money and when it's going to make money and, and how it's going to make money. Now, one example that I always like to talk about is the airlines. They have no business model to figure out how to make money. It's all been, you know, how do we grow, 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 get people on planes. But look what they've done over the last 40 years. We've gone from, you know, a couple hundred airlines in America to really basically three. Um, you know, maybe you can, there's really more than three, obviously. There's 10 or 12, but, you know, we really focus on the, the big three, and there's going to be another consolidation with Spirit, Frontier, and JetBlue. But the reality is, as customers, we hate it. 
it might be cheaper today to fly, especially adjusted for inflation, to fly from point to point. But now it's just a horrible experience, right? You really do feel like cattle being pushed through um, these lines, you know, to get into the airport. Yeah, the way you're treated to line up, uh, you know, if you want to get on a plane, you're told, you know, you get in line 20 minutes before the gate's going to open, so you can get on board and hope to stow your pa- your your uh, your uh, suitcase, that kind of stuff. They just, you know, you're treated badly on the flight, and if you try to complain, then they'll throw you off the flight, and it's it's a terrible experience. And they don't have a plan to make money. You know, if you look at the at the airlines. All the time, they've never made money, and, and there's no ex- example when they will. You know, we just finished right. up. I always say there, there have been two opportunities for the airlines to completely recraft their business model. The first one came after September 11, 2001, when the airplane when the airlines were shut down for a week because of the you know nobody knew who the good guys were and who the bad guys were effectively enough and to to be able to reopen the airlines. That was a great time to sit down and say, wait a minute, what have we been doing? We've been driving to the bottom of the pit. We've been cutting price, cutting price, cutting price to fill up planes. Is this a, a viable model long term? And, and then saying, there's a better way. Let's redo the industry. Let's rethink the industry. They didn't do it. They spent a week, restarted right back to where they'd always been. Net only they made it worse on us because now we had to stand in TSA lines, right? That we didn't have to stand in before. So it just you know, it heaped, they heaped everything that was bad on the customer without figuring out how to make for a better airline. And then we get the pandemic. And the pandemic was another opportunity to rethink this. But instead, knee-jerk reaction, the airlines just started firing people right and left. They said, okay, you know, here we are, uh, nobody's flying, and so we're going to cut back, cut back, cut back. So they took pilots that had 25 years of service, and they said, hey, we'll add five years to your service. Why don't you go ahead and retire? And they retire out all these pilots, because that's the fastest way to cut their costs. And that's all they can think about is cut costs, cut costs, right. cut costs. How quick can I knee-jerk react to it? The pandemic ends, and what happens? We have a pilot shortage. We have a flight attendant shortage. We have, you know, a, a shortage of all these people. And they go back and they said, "Oh, you know, we have no plan for how to rehire them. We we never negotiated or said, hey, if you took a pension, here's how you could stop your pension come back, and right. come back and fly, and then retire again in two years.' They didn't try to think through their business model at all. Like, how could we? Maybe we should rethink our configurations on plane, our customer experience. What could we do to make this a better experience?" Instead, it went right back to, how do I get a cheap ticket? So all of a sudden, the pandemic the pandemic ends, and all of a sudden, people say, oh, I want to fly again. I want to get a cheap ticket to Vegas or New York or, or to Houston or Phoenix or wherever they want to go. And now, all of a sudden, they clog up the system because they're rushing in. Well, we got these cheap tickets, but we just finished the July 4th weekend. What do we have? 2,000 plane flight cancellations and 25,000 delays and hundreds of thousands to millions of people that were flying were, were you know, it was a terrible experience for them. Because the airlines weren't sitting there trying to figure out how do we make this a, a business that's customer-oriented and will make money long-term. They're just thinking, oh, how do I grow, grow, grow? How do I get butts and seats? And they're not figuring out where the business should go. And that's not what we're trying to tell people to do. You know, we don't want to try to drive you into being an airline at all. You know, we want yeah, you to there's have a, a joke about business than that. Yeah, there's a joke about uh, how do you create a millionaire, Adam? How do you create a millionaire, Manny? You have them. Uh, you have a billionaire buy an airline. 
there's a there is an airline called JetBlue X that I found that uh, is much better uh, service. I've used them a few times. The problem is is that they don't seem to have a committed leadership that's willing to go out and raise the money to create the, the new experience uh, that yeah. it, it get enough flights and kind of get it till I can use them regularly as, as opposed to using the very sporadic opportunities that I have. Yeah, I've heard of a couple of, uh, of startups that are exploring some uh, some new ways to uh, travel and uh, one of those is using business class jets, you know, the smaller yeah. 24 seaters that are almost like uh, uh, an Uber, if you will, or some you know, a, a framework where these plans that aren't being used can be used, and it's a little bit more expensive to go, say, from Phoenix to uh, to L.A., but two things are, are really different. The first of which is you basically walk up to the plane. They're, they're, the TSA situation is minimal. Um, and then the second thing is you, you land um, in these smaller airports, which allow you to basically get on to the road much quicker. Obviously, there's maybe not the, the same uh, framework with rental cars and all that. But if you're, uh, you know, if you have somebody pick you up in an Uber, you know, it doesn't really matter. You don't really need that rental car. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you can rethink the airline industry. There's no doubt about it. Um, when I'm at Mary Lou's house in Napa, I have to drive to San Francisco to get a flight. There's so few flights out of Oakland, I can't even fly out of Oakland. So that's an hour and 20-minute drive, and then I have to pay exorbitant parking fees while I'm there uh, because it's a major airport. So what would yep. be great, would I would love to go to a closer airport like in Sacramento or Concord. Uh, there's even an airport in Napa that, that right now it's only for private planes. But why can't you, like you said, why wouldn't somebody put the money up to say, well, let's Uberize this. Let's take people that have planes and they're not using them all the time and put them into service, you know, as um, an Uber type system where, you know, I could take, I could go to a closer airport and get from here to, to another destination in a much more convenient way. Uh, and if, you know, initially you might say, well, you know, minimum people has to be four or five or something like that. Well, that can be arranged, right? We can start working on it. It just amazes me that instead people haven't really tried to do that. And But those are the, see, the growth opportunities. That's what we try to talk about. Could you figure out how to do that and how to make money? My, my sense is that, yes, definitely you could. But my, instead, people aren't trying to develop those new opportunities. And it gets back again to, well, Who's going to make the commitment, and how kind of, what kind of a commitment do I need, and can I you know, honor up to that commitment? And I've, the reality is, yes, we can, and we see people that do it effectively on a regular basis, but then they get lost often in the process. Like I discussed what happened with my Apple experience. You know, um, same thing, think about whenever we used to deal with getting cable TV, when cable TV was first growing, yeah. and you could get services, and eventually we got the Internet through those guys. Yeah, you could call them up and somebody would be at your house the next day and help you get connected. If things went wrong, you called them up and got the service back in a few hours. Now, you know, heaven help you if something goes wrong. You can't talk yeah. to anybody. You can't log a call. And they don't do anything until they get seven calls from the same location to say that there's a problem. And, you know, it, now they've lost track. And that is, again... Yeah. Not where we're trying to head. That is not no. for from my view. I'm like you, Manny. It's like you when you found the person that started the company to go off and do the customer service pieces. These become opportunities, and we major need to do opportunities developing that, those alternatives. Yeah, and it goes back down. I, I, you know, I'm I monitor social media. We we do some amount of posting, but I really 
I kind of get a sense of where things are going with social media. I mean, we're in a time and place right now in business where things are moving so rapidly. And sometimes people uh, say that it's at a blinding speed and they don't know what to do. There's all these things happening. Well, if you just peel back the layers, we're still all human beings. Our, our DNA hasn't changed in, you know, in, in tens of thousands, if not more, years, right? We're not, we're not somehow different today than we were you know, 30,000 years ago, hunting and gathering or whatever. Fundamentally, right? Obviously, there's been advances in a lot of things. But at the end of the day, we're still sort of bound by these bodies we walk around in. <laughs> it's still the same integrity. It's still the same. If you say you're going to do something, you, you, you do it. And you know, a handshake used to mean something. And now, of course, we've got all these other things that provide the framework for that handshake. But these are all business opportunities. And I'm always sort of interested in you know, what we read and hear on the news isn't always the truth. So let me give you an example. Just this morning, I read an article about how uh, Tesla is no longer, or this is a big headline now, Tesla is no longer the king of the electric vehicle domain. They had this giant headline saying that there's a company called BYD that is from, it's a Chinese company, and it's backed by, of course, Warren Buffett's uh, Berkshire Hathaway. And they basically tout that they are, have sold more vehicles, more electric vehicles than Tesla. Well, if you really read the fine print, if you really start to do your homework, you realize that that's not true. Uh, half of those vehicles that were sold in the last half of the year were hybrid electric. They weren't fully electric. So I guess it just, it's one of these things we read on the news. We you know, watch the sensational news and the fanfare. And then if you really start to look, it isn't always the truth that we, uh, that we first uh, see. So I'm sure you can come up with some examples, Adam, to share with us on uh, some opportunities you've seen where maybe it wasn't exactly what people said it was. Well, again, I think what we're trying to point out is the importance of understanding trends and then having your scenarios. And then, you know, when you look at the news, dig into it to find out, is this, is, are your trends still headed in, a, in the direction you thought, and is your scenario still a, a viable? Is it likely, or do I need to change direction? Is the trend changing, and, and do I need to change direction with my strategy? Do I need to redefine or update my scenario in a new way? So that's not what newspapers are out to do. What newspapers are out to do, or I'm sorry, saying newspapers, what news organizations are out to do is to get your attention. So they can come up with some headline that could be factually accurate, but not very meaningful. You know, that we're constantly hearing now, the most inflation in 40 years. Okay, true, but what does that mean? A lot of people didn't jump to the conclusion, so this is going to be like the economy of the 1980s again, or the 70s and the early 80s with hyperinflation, stagflation, and all that kind of stuff. They don't, there's no, you have to sit there and say, wait a minute, don't just rely on that headline, think that through. What's, what's happening today? Back then... We didn't have monetarists. Literally, when I took my first economics class, they, they said inflation is either um, cost push or demand pull, meaning we either have too much demand or the cost is pushing the product up, and that's what's causing inflation. It, I was out of school before the monetarists got a hold of this thing, right? And they started to, uh, you know, with Paul Volcker when he was in charge, he, after he was successful at getting, you know, whipping inflation, then we started saying, wait a minute, there's a different approach to thinking about inflation, and now, you know, or years have gone by, and people need to go back and look at well, what's happening. You know, and at that time we were printing money. Literally, the, the the Federal Reserve thought its job was to manage interest rates, and so yeah. it was trying to keep interest rates low, and in doing so, it oversupplied the money and. 
Paul Volcker stopped that. Well, now what happens is, you, are we going back to that? No, I mean, we still have the monitors running the, the Federal Reserve. So it's a different situation. And, of course, today is being driven by supply chain problems and the fact that you know, we, we do have demand pull inflation. People want products and they can't get them because of supply chain problems. So you have to look down below, as you said, that headline, obviously, and try to say, how does this impact my scenario? What's going to happen going forward, right? Uh, and uh, is there an all, what kind of opportunities does this create? When I see what's going on, what, what kind of things could I try to do? Like the person you said starting a business there in, uh, in Tucson, or like my idea of somebody who's starting up an airline that would be an Uber, you know, use Uber technology or Lyft technology to try to figure out how to start up an airline for business use, something like that. There's always yeah. an opportunity where, where there's a problem. And right now, once again, we're having a lot of problems with customer satisfaction. Um, some of these autonomous processes are getting a bit out of control. Uh, they're not customer friendly. And what does that mean? Well, there's an opportunity there to figure out a better process. Um, and yeah. then hopefully you try to get uh, the companies that do have the better uh, direction for customer satisfaction. They'll get more customers, get more sales, and get more profits and be able to push the other guy aside. I had a... Uh I don't know if arguments the right terminology. I had a discussion, a lively discussion with uh, with a friend of mine the other day, uh, in regards to scenario planning. Um, they were purporting that you should just go all in, in in one direction. You shouldn't scenario plan. You shouldn't even. You should just put your uh, your uh, you know your target on on the laser, and just go no matter what. And you know, I, I at the end of the conversation, I mean, it was clear it was I wasn't going to move uh, move him an inch just because he was so passionate about it. But it really has to do with the idea of like uh, when I was in search and rescue in, in after college, um, you know, there's this amount of triage, right? You're looking at a situation, you've got limited resources. What are you going to focus your time and effort on? You can't save everybody, so who do you got to work on? And so, I think that going back to what we talked about, you know you got to follow the customer, follow what they are interested in, follow what matters to them, and have that be the lighthouse rather than sort of blindly stab in the dark for what you think is going to take you to the next level. And so I think, Adam, I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum. Scenario planning is the way to go. Well, you have to build your business for the future. So back again, one analogy that I use around this is look at what happens at drag racing, right? It's it's a it's an absolutely straight track, very short. So what you're going to do is you're going to hit the throttle and you're going to get to the end and that's it, right? You don't turn the car at all, and so people have optimized against that. Well, that's what your friend was saying. Hey, just don't worry about it. Just optimize. Get the big engine and go all out. Go go straight for the target. The problem is, is that, well, that depends on the road never changing, the road never bending. Otherwise, you're going to be going all in and the road's going to change and you're going to crash into the wall, which then gets you to something like NASCAR. Once we get things going, okay, what is NASCAR? It goes around and around and around and around and around. So, But what happens is that course never changes. So you see an optimization there of different kind of a car, specially built, able to try to go around and around and around that NASCAR track in order to, to be successful. And then what happens is, is that like reality? Well, no, because you go round and round and round, and, and then somebody comes along and they could change the track, and that's Formula One. In Formula One, you have these varied tracks, and you know they, they drive through cities and <laughs> the countryside, and you have to have a vehicle that can adapt and adjust to all these different circumstances. And that's really more what business is like, is the Formula One. 
it not you know we 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 get we try to go all in thinking oh we just got to build that big engine for the drag race no then we start saying well wait a minute I understand how this business works this is the process round and round and round let me opt, optim, optimize that process let me optimize my business but then what happens is in reality you know the the round and round changes and it becomes more like the Formula One track and then we have to have a different solution entirely but if you think about it from the beginning and you said you know well, where I'm going to end up is I'm going to end up in a Formula One track, you would never bother with the drag racer and you would never bother with the NASCAR. Right. You would start designing your business in a different way from the very beginning. And that's where I think scenarios become so important because they only by having scenarios can you say, oh, this is where things are likely to be changing, the, the technology changing, regulations changing, demographics changing, customer needs changing, all those things changing, and I have to have an adaptable business to meet all of those needs or else I'll be stuck in the wrong place with the wrong business model and I'll just crash. Yep. I would almost venture to say that uh, uh, business is a lot closer to the, the Paris Dakar rally. You know, <laughs> you go out there in the desert and, and bump around. But this kind of goes yeah, back to... That is the ultimate. That is the ultimate. The Paris to Dakar. I agree with you. Yes. So I would actually, uh, I want to bring this full circle. And so, you know, oftentimes as a business owner, you've got so many things happening and you're fearful of changing the way you're doing things too much because you feel as though you're going to lose, lose your customers, lose control and lose the business. But as we talk about, it's, it's kind of the other way around. If you really want to have your business survive and thrive into the future, you've got to make those decisions. You've got to make it into your plan. At the end of the day, you have to act. You've got to execute. You've got to make it happen. I mean, talk is so cheap these days. It's all a matter of, look, if you're really interested in growing your business, it's going to take a lot more than, than that drag race, right? It's going to take that longer term, longer uh, you know, um, endurance race and not just that little drag strip. Well, we covered a lot of ground today. We talked about automated processes, processes that, that lack human interaction. We talked about changes in, in terms of how these things are reported, uh, how people, uh, how the airlines uh, optimized their business without thinking about their customers. But at the end of the day, it's really a lot about understanding where are the customers, what are the trends, and how to develop a scenario that you can go out and build a new business. And I just we got to remind people, we have the tools for that. Go to our we website. Do artpartners.com and all of this confusing array of information we have the tools to help you plot that out and figure out how you can use that to drive new business development and growth and growth that can be sustainable you know that's what we're looking for sustainable growth does it have to be profitable no it doesn't have to be profitable the first year uh, but what it does have to do is sustain be profitable enough that you can understand how to raise the money and how to get the cash to keep growing the company as it moves forward and you know, if they take our master class, it takes you through all the steps that can help you to be a successful business. Indeed. And I also want to re remind our viewers and listeners that we are now on Apple TV and Roku TV in the uh, Futures TV channel. And excited to see where that takes the, um, our, our podcast. And um, I've actually been stopped here. Uh, you know, I live in a more metropolitan area here than, than you, Adam, out in the sticks. But... Uh, people that I've that I've sort of in the in the area are are watching and listening and being part of the community. So I invite us uh, you, you all to email uh, Adam and I if you guys have any questions or thoughts on on your own business. Manny at SparkPartners.com, Adam at SparkPartners.com, 
And with that, Adam, uh, have a wonderful week with, uh, with your final thoughts. Just folks, go to Roku and look for the Business Trend Center podcast on the Futures TV channel. You'll enjoy it. All right. Thank you, Adam. Take care.